Okay, today's daf is Chavtet, Kiddushin 29, and we pick up on the Mishnah, and we are now moving away from issues relating to Kinyanim, but because the uh, Mishnayot have been dealing with like all these categories, very well organized into different types of Kinyanim, and then Kol Hanasa Damim Ba'acher, and Rishus Kavoa, so we're going to deal with other types of ways of categorizing, moving on actually to mitzvot. And this Mishnah is uh, very rich and has a lot of important uh, major mitzvot categories here. So let's take a look. The Mishnah Chavter Malalef. All the mitzvos of the child on the father, men are obligated and women are exempt. So this is a very strange locution. It's the same way the earlier Mishnah, Kol Hanas, Hanas Adamim Ba'acher, or Kol Rishut Kavoa, Bekesef Rishut Hadyot. These really indicate very early Mishnayot, some of these more uh, stranger um, uh, artic- uh, uh, formulations. So all of the mitzvahs of the child on the father, men are obligated and women are exempt. So the Gemara says what that means is that all of the mitzvahs that relate to the child, that a parent is obligated to do towards his child, those are mitzvahs of a father towards their son. They are not mitzvahs of a mother towards a daughter or a mother towards her son or a father towards her daughter. The parental mitzvahs towards their child are men are obligated and women are exempt. All mitzvahs of the father that relate to the child, all children's obligations towards their parents, um, which is basically the mitzvah of kibbutz aim. Um, whether men or women are obligated, both both boys and girls, or men and men and women, adult children are also obligated, are obligated to honor both their male and female parents. So parental obligations towards children is men to fathers to sons. Children's obligations towards parents is, me, is, is boys and girls, men and women towards fathers and mothers. Now a one that is very well known. Known all positive, all positive mitzvot that the are time bound or, or time causes it. Interesting questions of exactly how you find hazman grama. Men are obligated and women are exempt. Um, Rambam already points out there there are about as many exceptions to this rule as there are cases that satisfy the rule. There are some that are time bound that women are obligated. There are some that are not time bound that women are exempt. Um, it's like Talmud. Torah. Anyway, this is the category, the rule that is given, and it's always a question whether this rule is really the rule that is descriptive after we know all of this particulars, or whether this rule really dictates um, which are the mitzvahs, positive mitzvahs that men are obligated and women are exempt. Okay, but that's the idea of time-bound mitzvot. But all positive mitzvot that are not time-bound or caused by time, um, whether men and men and women are equally obligated. All negative commandments, whether they are time-bound or not, like Shabbos, or is time-bound, not eating chazer, is not. Men and women are equally obligated. Chutz, the one case that women are exempt, or three cases, not to cut off the peos of the head, um, not to destroy the corners of the beard, and not to become impure to the dead, which applies to male kohanim. Okay. So those now we so we're bringing our categorization and organization that has sort of been the driving force of all these mishnayot now to the world of mitzvot. Let's take a look at the Gemara. 
Michael mitzvahs of Ben Alaav. What does this mean? All the mitzvahs of the son on the father. If it means the mitzvah the son, the child is obligated to do towards the father, towards the parent. So, women are exempt. So, what is the obligation primarily directed towards parents? That's aim. But that can't be. We taught in the Brisa. This is the passage. Each man shall fear his mother and father. So the the Medrash Kohanim the 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 says only ish I only know a man is obligated in in fearing parents and honoring parents Ishaminayin how do I know a woman Kishomer Ishimovaviv Tirau when it says you shall fear in the plural they shall fear Harei Kadshtaim it's talking about two so it doesn't just mean a man it means in the plural so men and women are equally obligated in fearing their parents and in honoring their parents. So, it cannot be that obligations towards parents is limited to men. So, here's how you have to read the Mishnah. All the obligations, the mitzvot, that relate to your children, that are the parental obligations towards their children, mitzvot obligations towards children, parental obligations. Men are obligated and women are exempt. Now, this is talking about men as parents. Fathers are obligated, women are not. Um, but also, you know, as we'll see, it also winds up relating to sons as opposed to daughters. Okay, and now what is included in that? So there'll be a whole list. We taught in the Brita what we taught, what we taught in our mission, what we taught in the Brita. The father's obligation to her son is to do a brit milah on the father towards the son. Also only on the son, and here telling us also only on the father. To teach him Torah. And to marry him off to a wife. That's interesting. It, that does not seem to be a biblical mitzvah, but okay, nobody said we're limiting ourselves to biblical. And to teach him a trade. Also does not seem to be a biblical one, but okay, a rabbinic mitzvah. Um, also to teach him how to swim, which used to be a requirement for graduating college in case you would uh, you know, be in a boat and it would uh, capsize or something or sink. You should be able to swim. It's a survival, the ability to... Uh, you know, have basic survival techniques. Anybody who does not teach his son uh, a trade is as if he teaches him, um, you know, banditry, to be a robber. So the Gemara says, Lister Sakut, are you really teaching him to be a robber? I mean, you're not teaching him a trade, but you're not teaching him the trade of being a robber, so, or a, band, a highwayman. So, it's as if you did that, because since you're not giving him a uh, legitimate way of earning a living, a legal way of learning a, a, a living, he will go ahead and make, make, you know, earn money, well, not earn money, whatever. Anyway, he will go ahead and uh, have to rob and steal in order to, um, in order to, uh, uh, you know, make any gainful uh, 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 earning of money. So that's uh, the that's that. Which is interesting. Why the writer had to say this? You know, oh, it's so bad. It's as if you taught taught a bad history. I mean, if it's an obligation, it's an obligation. But apparently, there was a need to underscore. You know uh, that obligation. Maybe people were not taking it as seriously as they needed to. So Rabbi Yehuda had to give that little, this little like moral prod uh, that it will be like you're teaching him how to be a robber. Okay. So now the Gemara is going to uh, unpack this bright up with all these different obligations of the father on the child. It's interesting to point out that there's not listed listed in this Mishnah the general obligation of chinuch. 
you know, teaching a child to do the mitzvot, to say the brachot, to put on tzitzis, to put on tefillin, to shake a lulav, you know, um, to light candles, all of the, all the general ideas of chinuch, and it's chinuch about the negative ones. Um, here, too, in other sources, it's indicated that that's, a, that's really the father's obligation, although there is some discussion whether that is also the mother's obligation, but the emphasis of that also very much seems to be on the father. Okay, let's take a look at the Gemara as we go through these. Lamolo to uh, circumcise him, to do Brit Milah. Minolan, how do you know that's a father's obligation? Avraham gave the Brit Milah to Yitzchak, his son, so you see Avraham. Now we're going to see in a minute how we know that's, that's the halacha for future generations. Now the Gemara digresses a little and says, okay, we're going to, okay, we've established father's obligation. By the way, if the father has not done it, the obligation reverts to the Basin. It becomes a communal obligation. Basin represents the community. Tichsivit says, You shall have circumcised for you all males. So that's talking to you, the collective. You as a Jewish community have to ensure that all the males among you are circumcised. So if the father isn't doing it, the obligation reverts to the community. Okay? Now, um, now, um, now, if Basin didn't do it when he was young and now this boy becomes an adult, now he's obligated to give himself a beat milad. And a uh, the and, and an uncircumcised male who does not have his uh, foreskin, you know, uh, circumcised, he shall be cut off. So since he is being punished by being cut off, he obviously has the obligation. And I said, lo yimol, if he doesn't do it, circumcise himself, means he now has the obligation to circumcise himself if it was not done for him. I should mention, since this is about the mother, that it does not say it goes from father to community. It doesn't say that if the father isn't doing it, it becomes the mother's obligation. It seems like a mother isn't even a backup or secondary to a father, there's a Rashi uh, elsewhere and a Marach or Zarua that indicates that actually the mother is obligated if the father isn't doing it, raises interesting questions about cases of like a single mother having a child, and she says the bracha lachniso previso shal avram avinu, acting as her own, as a mother, qua mother, or at least acting as representing the community in the place of Bastin. Anyway, it is interesting here again that the mother seems to be cut out even from a um, secondary role, but that is somewhat of a question. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. Um, So that's how we know the father is obligated. Now, um, how do you know that she is not obligated? Maybe he is, but how do you know she's not? Um, Like God commanded him, Avram, only him, not her, not Sarah. So that's in terms of that generation of Avram and Sarah. How do you know that's the model for future generations? Um, when it says tzav, it means tzav, command, it means that God is giving encouragement, you know, do it with alacrity, and he's saying also for future generations. We just read uh, in last week's parsha. Command Yoshua, strengthen him and give him courage. So, you know, you have to give him encouragement and, you know, and, 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 uh, and prodding. Um, how do you know for future generations? From the day God commanded you and for future generations. So assuming that what's true in those two psukim about tzav is true all the times it says tzav. So so this commandment to Avram, kasher tziva oto, the tziva, future generations, is only for the father, not for the mother. That's how you know brit milah. Lif toto, how about pidyon haben? Minola, dechsiv kol b'chor b'necha tifteh. 
all the children of your, uh, 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 all the firstborn of your children, you shall, um, you shall uh, redeem. Vehecha. Um, now we're going to see in a minute how we know it excludes women. You shall. How do you know it excludes women? But now we're going to also digress and say what if the father isn't doing his obligation? He has to redeem himself. Okay, that you shall surely redeem. So that is coming to tell you that, you know, he has to do it himself if it is not being done for him. Now, what you will notice is, is that it does not say that uh, Bastin is obligated because as opposed to uh, uncircumcised males where there's a communal obligation that all the men are circumcised, right, that has to do with Jewish identity and so on for men, there's not a communal obligation that all the men be redeemed, all the firstborn be redeemed. That is an obligation on the father, and if not on the father, then on the child himself when he becomes an adult. Now, how do you know a woman is not obligated? You read it as, or, you know, you read it as, and, like, and, which means both you shall redeem and you shall redeem yourself. Okay, so that play on words. So what does that tell us? The one who's doing the redeem also has to be one who's in a position to be a redeemed. The redeemer has to be able to be redeemed. Anybody who is obligated to redeem himself can be obligated to redeem others. Somebody who is not obligated to redeem themselves, a woman who is not somebody, you know, it says, your, as we'll see, your sons. So therefore, the same way a woman is not the one who, who is redeemed, because we'll find out that redeemed means sons, she is not the one who is obligated to ensure that her son gets redeemed. Okay. Okay, but now we have to clarify this. How do we know a woman is not obligated herself to be redeemed? How do we know she's not obligated? The Mifra to redeem herself. So it says, you shall redeem, you shall be redeemed. If other people have to, oblig- have to redeem you, you have to redeem yourself. If nobody else is obligated to redeem you, the child's obligation to redeem himself is when the parent does not fulfill their obligation. So if a parent isn't obligated to redeem, the child isn't obligated to redeem themselves. Let's get to the end of this chain and then I'll unravel it and explain it. How do you know other people don't have to redeem a girl? All the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem, sons and not daughters. So this is a three-stage part. It's easier to work from the end and go backwards. We learn from that girls are not obligated to be redeemed by their parents. Once that's true, we learn by Tifteh Tipadeh that somebody who is not obligated to be redeemed by others, girls who are not obligated to be redeemed by their parents, are not obligated to redeem themselves. The child's obligation to redeem himself is only when the parent does not fulfill the obligation. So since girls are not obligated to be redeemed by their parents, they're not obligated to redeem themselves. And then we do Tifteh Tipadeh the other way. Somebody who is not obligated to redeem themselves, a girl, a woman, is not obligated to redeem others, to redeem their the sons. So in short, because only a son is the redeem, is the one who is redeemed, then that means that the obligation is only on fathers and only on boys, not on mothers, not on daughters. Okay. Tana Rabbanan, a rabbi's taught. Um, um, okay. 
who leaved out? Now, let's say you have to make a choice. Who leaved out or no leaved out? Who caught him leave no? If you have to decide between should I redeem myself or redeem my son, so you know you have to take care of your obligation towards yourself before that towards your son, which is interesting because it's like it's on one hand it only came upon you yourself because your parent, father did not take care of it. On the other hand, this is about my own personal status, and I was obligated to take care of my own status anyway before I had a child, before I had a son. So therefore, the first position is you come first. If you don't marry no kodmo. No, your son comes first. This one, the son, is the obligation on the father, like the language of the Mishnah. The, I'm sorry, so that, actually I said that wrong. This, the father, his obligation for him to be redeemed originally was on his father. Okay, mitzvah but, alav. But, but you, if you're the father, your obligation of your son is on you. Meaning what he's saying is, Okay, if we guess we say Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, okay, and we're talking here about Yitzchak, Yitzchak wasn't redeemed by Avraham. So what he is saying is, look, the primary obligation of Yitzchak was on Avraham. The primary obligation of Yaakov is on Yitzchak. So Yitzchak's primary obligation is to Yaakov, and his obligation to his son comes before his obligation to himself, which makes sense, because he only becomes obligated to himself because his father did not fulfill his obligation. So that seems like a very nice conceptual question. On the one hand, it's yourself. On the other hand, it started with your father. So which comes first? But now the Gemara like reframes it. I'm a Reb Yirmiya. I Reb said Reb Yirmiya. Hakol Modim. Everybody agrees. If all you have is the five slime for Pigin Ben, which seems to be what we're talking about, who Kodim leaves no? That you come first, which is not at all what it sounded like, but okay. My time, why? Mitzvah Gufei Adifa. Yeah, forget this question of derivative or whatever. Your obligation, your taking care of yourself comes before your obligation towards taking care of your son. We could also say that chronologically it came presumably before your son was born. Okay. The question is, is that you have 10 sloim, right? Peter Naben is five sloim. Five in the bank, five cash. Five, it's property... But really, it is, um, you know, it's other people have a lien on it. Creditors have a lien on this other property, okay? So what are you going to do? So what are you going to do? So let's take a look, okay? Reb Yehuda Savar, damya. If a loan written in the Torah, an obligation exists in the Torah, is like it's written in a star, means that there are liens on it. So I have a plot of land worth five sloim. And, um, and I had that since I was bar mitzvahed, and because I'm obligated to, um, to redeem myself, so all kohanim, the collective of kohanim, as it were, has a lien on that, on, the, on that piece of land because I owe them five sloim. Then the, I came along, because that's Milvah Kasevatorah Kasevatorah I came along and I borrowed some money from a creditor, Reuven, and now Reuven has a lien on that land, but the lien of the Kohanim came first. So what do I do? So, the Hani Chamesh Parik Libre. So I take five and I go ahead and I um, redeem. Okay, so I go ahead and I redeem my son, and with this five, that is cash. Okay, so um, uh, where are we? Parikli Bray. Bani Chamesh Parikli Bray. Vazakon Vitarif Leil Chamesh Mishubadim Lididay. And then, as far as the five to redeem myself, remember 
that the Kohen had a lien on it from the time, I, you know, I was bar mitzvahed or something. So therefore, um, he takes that away from the people that have, the people I borrowed money from, from Reuven, because Reuven's lien came later than the Kohanim's lien. So it doesn't seem very fair to Reuven, but the way Rashi explains it is, look, my, I have five cash. I could give it for myself, and that would be nice to Reuven. Then Reuven's lien on the land would be protected. But I'm actually entitled, because well, the way Rashi frames this, Tuzzles has a different way of reading this Gemara, I'm entitled to give it for the opinion of my son, because my son's, my obligation to my son comes first, which is not like it sounded like. It sounded like we were saying, in principle, my obligation to myself comes first. That's why Tosas has a different read. But according to Rashi, my obligation to my son comes first, I give it for my son, and then it just so happens that Reuven, sorry Reuven, you're out, the Kohanim had an earlier lien. And that way everybody gets satisfied. Okay? So when Reb Yehuda actually says that, according to this, that my son comes first, it really doesn't mean my son and not me. It means I give to my son first, and that lets the and that lets the Kohanim collect the the um, the liens and to uh, and to collect their payments for myself as well. The Rabbanon Savri and the Rabbis are of the opinion position. If it's written in the Torah, it's not like it's written in a star. And therefore, the Kohanim don't have any lien, and I have to choose between myself and my son, so I'm going to choose myself. Okay, so as you can see, this is a very difficult read, according to Rashi, because first of all, it doesn't seem like we're being fair to Reuven, and also for Rashi to explain why I'm allowed to give the five in cash to my son, he says, because my son's obligation comes first, but the whole point of this way of reading it is to emphasize that my obligation to myself comes first. So Tosos has a different read. Anyway, it gets, makes things a little complicated, bracketing this interpretation in the Gemara and Rashi and Tosos. The simplest explanation is a very clean one. Is it clear that my obligation to myself comes first? Or do we say that no, my obligation to myself started with my father. My primary obligation is to my son. Much better way of reading it. Anyway, so now the Gemara continues. Turn on button. Let's say I have only so much cash on hand, and I can either use it to redeem my son or to do aliyah l'regel. First you redeem your son, then you are l'regel. It's a little ironic, because in the previous case, Rabbi Yehuda said, your obligation to your son comes first. But here he's saying, first you're regal and then you redeem your son. But now it's not, you know, it's apples and oranges, so it's not a question of self versus son, it's regal versus pidyon. So, shezu mitzvah overes, shezu mitzvah ain't overes. Because regel, you can only do for a limited period of time. You know, so later when you get the money, you'll do pidyon aben. Right now, if you miss doing aliyah regel, you're not going to do aliyah regel. So, the Gemara likes that reason. Bishleim of the Rebbe Yehuda, kid a common time, and Rebbe has a good reason. El Rabbana Maitamayu, what's the reason of the rabbis? Damakra, kobuchor benecha tifteh, because just the order of the psukim. The psukim juxtapose them. First take care of your son, then worry about Aliyah Regal. I'm sure something interesting theologically can be said about this, but not one that occurs to me right now. Okay. How do you know if somebody had five 
uh, firstborn from five different wi- um, women or wives that he has to redeem all of them. They're all firstborn to their mother, not their father. All your firstborn sons you shall redeem. So meaning you might have multiple firstborn sons. Pshita, isn't that obvious? The Torah says it's about the one that opens up the womb, so it goes by firstborn to the mother. No. I might think that there are two requirements. It has to be firstborn to the mother, but we also learn about the idea of firstborn when it comes to inheritance. There it's the first of his strength, meaning firstborn of the father. Here too, so maybe you have both. No, it only goes by firstborn of the mother. Okay, so that's how we know Mila and Bidyan Aben. Those are the ones that we know are very much about sons. Uh, the interesting thing is that mothers get written out, especially when you consider the idea of Tzipora, who did the Brit Mila, etc. Now, it's worth pointing out that there's a difference between who can execute the act. Can a woman do the act of Brit Mila? It certainly sounds that way from the story in Tzipora. That's a discussion, uh, an issue discussed in the Gemara Barazara, as opposed to who is obligated to see that it gets done. That's our question. Now, you know, mother, is the mother also obligated? Of course, the Tzipora story is also Tzipora took the obligation to make sure it got done as well. But anyway, here, mother is written out, although, as I said, there are some opinions that mother does have an obligation after father, at least by Brit Milah. Okay, now we get to Torah. Ulamdo Torah, Minolam. Where do you know this is only on fathers and sons? You shall teach your sons. If the father did not teach, you have to teach yourself Torah. This is the obligation of Talmud Torah. If your parents did not teach you all the Torah there was to learn, you have to teach yourself. Not vilimaditem, which is you shall teach, vilimaditem, you shall learn. How do you know um, that? Now, it is interesting that the Gemara says that that seems like if your father didn't do his job. I mean, it's patterned after the idea of Pidyon Aben and Brit Milah. But of course, how is a parent supposed to teach a child the entire Torah? You know, when does one fulfill the mitzvah of teaching Torah? And also, even if one knows the entire Torah, there's a mitzvah to just do the act of learning, not necessarily to acquire more knowledge. So it is a sort of a funny way of framing it. Maybe the Gemara here refers to a certain base knowledge the parent has to teach. But anyway, much larger discussion of exactly the mitzvahs associated with Talmud Torah. Now, how do you know that a woman is not obligated to educate her son. You shall teach, you shall learn. If you have an obligation to learn, you have an obligation to teach. If you're not obligated to learn, you're not obligated to teach. This is very similar to what the Gemara did by Pidyan Aben, or by Brismila also. How do you know she's not obligated to learn? Same thing, it's going to be a three-part sort of thing. You shall teach and you shall learn. If you're obligated to be taught by others, so you have to teach yourself. If you're not obligated to be taught by others, you don't have to teach yourself. And how do you know others don't have to teach a girl? Teach your children. Not your daughters. Okay, so this is, of course, the famous Gemara, and this is, of course, and, uh, you know, such a major issue uh, that started, uh, you know, way back when, uh, um, in the 50s, or er- maybe even earlier, you know, Rav Soloveitchik, and uh, on the one hand, and, the, um, you know, Lubavitch Rebbe on the other, and, uh, you know, Rev, uh, um, so many times, in the, in, in the period of modernity, a response to this issue, or a discussion around this issue about really women's exemption from Talmud Torah. But just first to explain what the Gemara is saying, is that the Gemara is saying, if we start 
start with the assumption of B'neichem below B'noseichem, sons and not daughters, um, which clearly I think we could agree is shot by the Pigyan Haben, um, but, um, and, um, you know, but here um, also, Interesting. Some will want to debate whether that's shot here um, in the you know in the psukim here whether you know whether that's specifically Chazal's read, but certainly in a very male centric type of society, it's a very it's a reasonable read. So if we're going to read bnei chem and not benosei chem, sons and not daughters, so daughters are not obligated to be educated by others. Therefore, they're not obligated to teach themselves, and if they're not obligated to teach themselves, they're not obligated to teach their sons. Okay, and from all of this emerges women's exemptions, exemption from Talmud Torah. Now, um, of course, uh, you know, for going back to Sota, you remember there was a whole debate by Hakel and the importance of women. Actually, also we just read it in the in the parsha. You know, everybody being gathered. You know, Anashim Nashim the Taf, and um, and uh, an interesting debate in Tanaim about whether it's a good thing to teach women Torah or not a good thing to teach women um, um, Torah. Um, and um, and um, you know, it's also worth notice, noting how many times the Torah in Dvarim emphasizes that at Maimon Har Sinai, everybody was there, men, women, and children. Um, and the Chazal make a point, you know, you know, you know, Kota gave the Yisrael, Kotomar lebeit Yaakov etagei lebeit Yisrael. You know, Tomar lebeit Yaakov is Elu Hanashim. The women were there at Har Sinai. So there's a lot of statements about obviously the you know about women's uh, place in learning Torah, but there are then this point about the sort of technical exemption from the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, which has a lot of ink has been spilled on it in the modern era um, around that and around uh, how one deals with that and how one deals with the statement in Sotaf Kilu Milam de Tiflos, drawing lines between Tershav Achsav and Tershav Alpeh, um, making distinctions between maybe not a technical mitzvah of Limut Torah purely for its own sake, but you have to learn all the Torah that's relevant for the mitzvot, and you know, there's tons of mitzvot to do, so that's tons of Torah, and you have to learn Torah as part of your basic relationship to to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to a religious life, so there's an enormous amount of Torah you have to learn there as well. So once you're done with all of that, you know, the idea of women's obligation to learn Torah can wind up being, you know, not uh, much different than that of men. It does become interesting when both men and women want to be spending their time sitting and learning their whole time and having the other spouse sort of support them. Anyway, a lot to be said about that, but this is the core Gemara on which many, many debates and discussions have been had. Okay, let's keep on going. Hulil mode, b'nolil mode. Similar to the previous question before, you know, it's either you know you 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 weren't educated yourself, and you only can and one person you know only have so much money, or somebody has to stay home and earn a living. So it's either you or your son. Who who is going to uh, to get the opportunity to go learn? Okay, hulil mode, b'nolil mode. Who could him leave? No, you come before your son. Okay, remember that was the same opinion about pidyon haben. You take care of yourself first. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, now you remember Rabbi Yehuda and said, I mean, the Gemara made it this whole complicated thing about, about liens on property and so on, but the simple sense is Rabbi Yehuda said, your primary obligation is to your son, right? That's what he said by Pidyon Abed. What's he going to say by Talmud Torah? Rabbi Yehuda Omer, in b'no zariz, u'mimulach, tamudo mitkayem biyado, v'tamudo mitkayem biyado, b'no kodmo. So he actually says there, you know, um, that you have a, a slightly greater obligation, but ultimately you have to be thinking about who's going to be more successful. So if you and your son will equivalently be successful in your learning of Torah, you will take care of yourself before your son. You do have precedent. But if you see your son is going to be better than you, um, he's, you know, he's sharp and, he, and he's able to retain the knowledge um, and he's got subtlety, so then he takes precedent 
Yad Rav Yaakov braid Rav Acha bar Yaakov. So Rav Yaakov, the son of Rav Acha, the son of, of Yaakov. So Yaakov, Acha, Yaakov. Okay, so anyway, so Rav Yaakov, Shad Rav Rav Acha sent his son Rav Yaakov, coming to Abayi, to Abayi to learn. Kiyasa, when he came, Chazidol Havi Mechadadin Shmaitetei. So when he came to check up on his son, he saw that his son was not, didn't have the idea so sharp in his mouth. His son's learning was not so great. Amalei, Anadifaminoch, he said, I can learn better than you. Tuvat, the Ezelana, you go, you stay home. I'm going to go learn. Okay, so once he realized, so now that's a little different than Reb Yehuda, because that sort of sounded like actually the earlier Reb Yehuda, that he defaulted his son. The question is what they're exactly equal. This story sounds like he assumed his son has an obligation, and when he realized he was better, he took precedence. That's different from saying, I, I, I'm obligated to myself, but when I realize my son is better, then my son takes precedence. Anyway, okay. Shama Abayi Asi. So Abayi heard that, um, that Rav Acha was coming, the father. Um, now there was a certain mazik, like mazikin, like, you know, a, a, an evil spirit in the uh, yeshiva of Abaye. That when two people would come in, even during the daytime, when you were supposed to be with another person, and in the daytime, mazikin aren't supposed to bother you. But in this base medrash, the the mazikin were still were, were strong, and you know, with this one mazik, and it was and it was causing problems. So nobody should uh, give Rav Acha a place to sleep. He'll be forced to sleep in the base medrash, and maybe a miracle will occur. So he went to the base medrash, this Ravacha, because nobody gave him a place to sleep. He slept into that, in that yeshiva. So the, uh, the mazik appeared to him like a snake with seven heads. Every time, so Ravacha was davening to God, you know, to, 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 to destroy the mazik. And every time he, be, he, did a, he bowed down, so Nasr Chadreshe, one of the heads of this uh, snake-like mazik came off. So he said to the rabbis, you know, or to the yeshiva students the next day, if a miracle had not occurred to me, you would have endangered me. I have no idea how this is relevant to the story of him and his son and so on. Okay, but anyway, some really important gemaras about parental obligations, which are basically father's obligations to sons, Brit Milah, Pidyon Aben, um, teaching Torah, obviously major issues about what it means that women are exempt from Talmud Torah, and also really interesting questions about a parent's obligation to the child and their obligation to themselves and how to think out about the balancing of the two.